This is Baffled with David DeRoche, and you're listening to an interview with lawyer Steve Key about this question. Should journalists be required to have a journalism license? So back in 2017, as former President Trump was taking power, the fake news era was in full swing. It even led to someone doing this. A silly little legislator in Indiana named Jim Lucas announced he drafted a bill that would require professional journalists to be licensed by the state police. That's journalist Jack Lessenberry speaking on Michigan Public Radio at the time. Mr. Lessenberry was joined by journalists all over the country after the lone Indiana lawmaker pitched this idea. And of course, no journalists were out there saying, let's do this. No, journalists were apparently all in agreement. This is a terrible idea, they said. And like a lot of proposals in state capitals these days, unfortunately, this one turned out to be more of a publicity stunt. His bill is going nowhere, and there are indications he doesn't really mean it. He said he did it to ward off those who want to license handguns. Mr. Lucas isn't exactly taken seriously by his colleagues. He's also filed a bill to get rid of marriage licenses and hinted we should be allowed to have nuclear weapons in our homes. If his bill were to pass, it would be quickly declared unconstitutional. But I have no doubt that there are millions who agree with him. So, here's why he's wrong. If government can say who has the right to be a journalist, that means you have a government that can say who isn't allowed to be a journalist. And that was really the common refrain. Licenses to be a journalist? Please. How dare you? And I get it. That thought kind of weirds me out, too. And that knee-jerk reaction is typical for anyone whose profession feels threatened especially for journalists. We've been on the defensive for decades now, and things have gotten even worse since the Trump era of enemy of the people. Plus, there are fewer jobs in journalism today, and we're constantly facing the threat of layoffs and buyouts and consolidations. And of course, the deep hatred from the former president and all his minions and all the rest. So being defensive is understandable, but you can't throw out an idea solely because its messenger was an idiot, in this case, the Indiana lawmaker. For me, the best argument for licenses is that perhaps, perhaps, Maybe it could help journalists regain the public's trust. It has nothing to do with combating fake news, but it has everything to do with rebuilding trust. So here to talk to me about this idea is Steve Key. He's the executive director and general counsel for Hoosier State Press Association, where he helps journalists deal with all sorts of things related to their work, like access to public records, dealing with courts, the Freedom of Information Act, et cetera. My kind of guy. Steve, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. We're so happy to have you on. So Steve, you were a journalist in Indiana. So when this Jim Lucas fellow proposed a bill to license journalists in Indiana, was it clear that it was a publicity stunt or did you take him seriously? I did not take him serious. Uh, Senator Lucas is not an idiot. He's very passionate about the Second Amendment. And his threat to the, the bill was more of a trying to make a point that, you know, you shouldn't regulate, you know, a protected right like the ability to, to bear arms. And what he did, and, and he kind of poked a finger in the eye of journalists, was say, how would you like it if, if we try to regulate uh, your First Amendment rights? And uh, it was very effective as far as a publicity stunt. Got a lot of attention, not only across the state, but obviously uh, uh, nationally. Yeah, you really did. And it was interesting in reflection, you know, me, of course, being in Connecticut, would never call a Connecticut lawmaker an idiot, but I feel like I can go after Indiana at a different level. But that's it is smart, right? To to be strategic in that way and to propose it in that way that makes, you know, journalists see it in the way that he would see, you know, the attacks on the Second Amendment. Um, how did the public react when it came out? Did did anyone take him seriously or is it p- pretty clear what he was trying to do? Well, I mean, it, the bill was introduced early and and you know pretty soon during the legislative process which bills are going to be moving forward or not on whether or not they're going to get a hearing. And it was pretty clear from, from the, the beginning that 
that he was more making a statement and wasn't really looking to to push this bill and try to get it passed. So there wasn't any kind of a panic. Uh, there were, you know, comments being made, you know, stories done, but it really didn't go beyond that uh, because no one expected it was going to be acted upon despite the the current climate and and the growing distrust of the of the media that's been fueled by misinformation and people with a political agenda over the past few years. The articles that came of that, so the reporting that then grew out of that that you know publicity stunt that drew attention to this this issue, did you experience any feedback from the public who said, oh wait a minute, this is actually a good idea. Maybe this is something we should do or what kind of talk was happening among the public amongst the public back in Indiana at the time? I don't recall, you know, a, lo- a lot of public feedback one way or the other. Now you got to remember that's during the legislative session, so I am knee knee deep in alligators and legislators trying to deal with uh, different bills. So maybe I wasn't listening for it, but I don't recall there were a lot of uh, generally public comment on it. Right, right. And so I think, you know, for anybody listening out there who is, is listening to us have this conversation and says, oh, wait a minute, that kind of sounds like a good idea, uh, you know, licensing a journalist. It might be important for listeners to understand that, you know, even though we have this First Amendment here in the United States, which uses, you know, really big sweeping language to describe the rights of freedom of expression, which I support. I'm wearing a 1A shirt here, which is the 1A program from WAMU. You know, there are things we can't say, right? There are libel and slander laws. There's there's even, you know, laws, federal laws that will charge you under the Espionage Act of 1917 if you publish state secrets. So there are some rules, right, around what people can and cannot say is number one. And also, it should be noted that the U.S. is ranked 43rd in the world's press freedom index. That means 42 other countries have more press freedom than we do here in the U.S. And what's really interesting is that Portugal, which is a country that requires journalists to be licensed, is ranked ninth on the World Press Freedom Index. Now, I don't know really how that is a thing. I don't know really, I understand the criteria they use to evaluate this. I don't necessarily know whether one influences the other, right? Um, is the fact that they're licensed have that positive impact? Impact? I don't know, but it's an interesting data point I would love to explore further. But Steve, just given that bit of information that you know we, we seem to have, or at least in the public size or in our own eyes, we seem to have a lot of freedom to be expressive and to express our opinions or our thoughts which ties into journalism very closely. Is there a scenario in which you imagine licenses for journalists being a reasonable path to take? Well, let me first address the, you know, the rankings, because, you know, in looking at the, the report that you referenced, uh, a lot of the, the items that really were dragging uh, the U.S. down to a lower number uh, reflect more of the current political climate, the distrust of the media, uh, the misinformation, the fact that uh, there were like 400 journalists, you know, in the, the last year of the last administration who were assaulted in the country. Uh, many of those was during the coverage of the racial justice protests that came across and, and the reaction either by people who were against that, that level of protest or uh, the, you know, the police as they're trying to clear out. You know, 130 journalists were detained, which is something you wouldn't imagine as far as the United States, but was happening a lot during, you know, these protests or other other events. So I think there there's some extenuating circumstances as far as why the United States on uh, on that uh, world press freedom uh, ranking have dropped down. If you strictly look more at uh, the law. The uh, United States clearly has, you know, as, as you mentioned before, one of the most sweeping protections 
you know, not just for the media, but for speech in general. Uh, and it goes back, obviously, to our to our roots as a country. So, no, I, I cannot see, to me, an argument that would say it's a good idea to start uh, regulating who can call themselves a journalist and, and have the right to, to speak publicly. Because the journalist's right is more of an extension of uh, our rights as individuals. And if you start getting into uh, licensing journalists, uh, as you mentioned before, then you get into the, the opportunity for those who determine who gets the license and who doesn't get the license to be able to abuse that to uh, quell uh, certain comments or criticisms of government that they don't appreciate or, or like. The current media climate, uh, you know, with with so many channels for expression, everyone thought that this was going to create a uh, kind of a, a Jeffersonian marketplace of ideas where the truth would emerge. I think what we found out, though, that it, what it's created is a, a numerous silos, and it, it serves to amplify the the beliefs of people, and uh, they are gravitated more to listening to viewpoints that that basically bolster where they were leaning to begin with, uh, as opposed to uh, seeking a variety of opinions that, que- that so that they would question their their core beliefs. So that has become more of an issue. And if you applied that into a uh, a system where where someone is is now being able to license journalists, then depending on who was in power, you know, uh, you could. Uh, could have one administration revoking the license of a Rachel Maddow uh, from being able to to be considered a journalist. And in another administration, you might have a, uh, a Tucker Carlson who's banned from, from being considered a, a, a journalist or, or having the right to expression. So mm. I, while, while we're talking about licensing journalists, you have to remember it's so tied to the First Amendment and the freedom of speech that... Uh, any kind of effort to license that freedom of the press. There's so there's a lot of stuff in there that I really want to get to. And thank you for, for touching on those. And, and I think the first thing uh, when you, you mentioned, you know, the governing board, like how would this or who would have the power to license and then revoke licenses? And I think one of the interesting things that I came across while researching this was a medical doctor imagining this is something that journalists could create themselves through a self-regulation process. They would create a board of actual journalists that would actually regulate the licensing system. I want to get more into that in a minute, um, but also want to ask you about this idea of the individual's right to have freedom of expression, which is where journalism, our, uh, journalists get their their freedom. And I think there is a, a tension, an obvious tension, you talked about this very thing, uh, between that right and the people's right to information, to accurate information. And it seems like there's a natural tension between those two things. In other words, in a marketplace of ideas where, the, to your point, that the good ideas float to the top, it's the ideas that I believe float to the top for me and the ideas that you believe float to the top for you. So we all have our silos within which those ideas float to the top. By having this freedom of expression, we enable those kinds of silos to exist. I'm not so sure that's bad. I think about the situation we're in now. It's gotten to the point where people are almost living in different realities. and does the journalist by our sort of advocacy of free speech, do we not necessarily support lies per se, 
But do we support access to lies by championing free speech the way we do? And is that a good thing? What do you think about that? Problem is, is, is one we both agree on as far as the, you know, the polarization and the amplification of either, you know, one side or the other's message to their, uh, their supporters uh, to the point where uh, it becomes more difficult to have a civil discussion, you know, with the other side, because you have to have facts to begin with to be able to have a, have a discussion. You know, I would say, you know, trying to, to control the access to the information and say, we're not going to allow you to have, you know, access to this information because we feel that what you're saying is, is, is a lie. Again, you get into who gets to decide what the reality is. Is the reality the liberal progressive side or the conservative side? And because if you talk to both of them, they will say, well, we're not the ones who are giving out misinformation. They're the ones giving the misinformation. So you really should focus, I would say, more on making sure that we're, we're educating the public to, to raise questions about their news sources. You know, as newspapers, uh, you know, generally are, are local or are generally are, are regarded a little bit more trustworthy than some of these uh, evening, what I, I call not news shows, but, but political commentary shows. But a lot of people who are watching this, they look at the, those shows, whether it's MSNBC, C, CNN, uh, Fox, and they're looking at it and say, well, this is news. And if this is news, then, you know, they must be uh, following, you know, or they should be following objective rules of, of reporting this side or that side is biased. So this is poor journalism. But it really, it's not what I would call pure journalism. It's political commentary. It's, it's, it's entertainment commentating on news of, of the day. But I think a lot of the people who are watching that and using it as their source of news, they've lost through, through time or the educational process, the ability to look and say, okay, I know that when I uh, uh, tune in to this particular channel, the, the commentary in the evening is going to be slanted towards this message because they're, right. they're looking to reach an audience. And, and by reaching a particular audience, they're focusing their message on that. And on the other side of the political spectrum, the same thing is, is, is going on. You know, it's, it's different now because you're talking political commentary from an all age myself. But, you know, when I was young, you had... Uh, you know, three national networks for your broadcast news. And it was, you know, it was Walter Cronkite, Huntley Brinkley, and I'm not sure if it was John Chancellor was on the other. But but their approach at that time was, you know, we're trying to reach the wide spectrum. So, so there was much more of a uh, incentive for them to to be fair, stick to the facts, and, and not get into a lot of the political commentary because they didn't want to offend this group or this group and drive them to one of the other two, two networks. The idea is that I want to latch on to just this segment of the cable TV population, and I'm going to take this segment. And, and so it's impacted the coverage and, and, and what kind of news shows are being presented. They're not trying to reach everyone. They're trying to focus in on one segment and then maximize their profits by by reaching them and increasing that audience. No, you make a very fair point, and that's something we cannot ignore: the you know, polarization of news and its its impact 
on people and and our to your very fair point our inability generally to differentiate between an objective news source and an opinion piece to your point what is the cause of that it could be a number of things and over time it seems like it has eroded and gotten worse because of the internet's allowed sort of different messages to proliferate that otherwise probably never would have been able to in the past but i do wonder if journalists took it upon ourselves to say it's not that you need a license to practice journalism but if you have a license to practice journalism then you'll be required to be operating at a certain standard and so if people were watching cable news and they were opinionating and going off on some sort of thing and and they did not have that you know badge or whatever it would look like associated with that that piece people would be, then be able to say oh that's not the kind of journalism that is held to the highest standard because they don't have that licensure. They don't have that badge. Whereas if they flip to another channel, they would see that badge there. Or if they read the newspaper, they would see that, that recognition. They would know that that standard exists. And I guess, you know, when I'm looking at it and I'm reading, you know, from this, this medical doctor's sort of idea that it could be licensed in a similar way to how medical licenses are administered, you know, it sounded like it improves accountability because you're being judged by your peers and it wouldn't be like, you know, you make a mistake or publish false information, you lose your license, but that you would be evaluated right on what had happened and over periods of time, how many things have gone wrong and, and what are the kind of things that people are complaining about in relation to your reporting. And so I imagine if that panel remains unbiased and rotating, right, there's no way that one sort of political agenda rules that party because it's again, regulated by the industry itself. And again, not that you need it to practice journalism, but that if you do, then you're upheld to a higher standard. Anybody else can still do anything they want, but people would then be able to recognize, you know, that higher standard by that licensure. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think I think that idea, though, is you're, you're adding a layer of of this, you know, this this panel or group or board or whatever that that's going to hold people accountable. But but historically. It's been the citizens who hold journalists accountable and uh, because, you know, journalists, they have to eat just like anybody else. So whether they were producing a newspaper, radio station news or TV news, they had to put out and build credibility and be a trustworthy source and cover the news that their communities wanted to hear and needed to hear. And if they fail to live up to those standards, then your community voted with their uh, with their dollars, you know, rather than buying the paper from the one newspaper back in the day, they would go to another newspaper. If they don't like ABC News, then they were watching the NBC News or the CBS News. So historically, the check on, on irresponsible journalism has been the citizens because they're the ones who build the audience, and the audience uh, was was tied to the desire for advertisers to reach that that audience, and so it required it required journalists, whether at the local level or at the national level, uh, to be responsible because the citizens would 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 turn away from them. And there's also the you know, the the, the self check itself. I mean, whether it's a broadcaster or print, if one entity is misinforming the public, there's generally another entity that's saying, whoa, 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 that's not the, that's not the case. Here's what's really happening with this, this bill, uh, this, uh, this story, this, this conspiracy or whatever the case may be. So there already is kind of a self-checking mechanism 
among journalism entities because if something's out there that is that is outrageously false, there's generally somebody who's calling uh, uh, calling out that uh, that story as being false. Well, that's true, but we also have people believing the false thing. And when newspapers or media outlets battle each other over the facts, they're not converting. I don't think they're converting very many people from the other side. They're preaching to their choirs. And so that's why I don't, I, I see what you're saying having worked in the past, but I think the stakes are different now. So it's not so much, you know, people holding us accountable because the people that are complaining generally, not everybody, but the loudest voices out there that are complaining about media are the people that don't believe them just because they don't like what they're reporting on. You know, very, it seems like very few or a very little, a very little amount of the criticism is actually addressing real you know, flaws in the journalism. Most of that criticism now is just, I don't believe you because I don't like your story. When the other media outlets come out and say, oh, wait, you got that wrong. Nobody's being converted. Nobody's suddenly saying, oh, you know what? You're right. I, I, what have I been thinking this whole time? I just, I worry that this, what worked in the past, you know, the stakes are just different now. And I feel like there has to be some sort of way we can in, have a better system of accountability for ourselves. And maybe it's not licensure. But I feel like it's it. We need to take this more seriously, and instead of doubling down on the things that we've always done, I, I think we we need a new way to look at how we can regain the public's trust. I mean, to your point, you know, um, the trust, according to Gallup polling, for for American journalists is the lowest it's been in forty years, and it seems to you know I don't know if it's getting worse, but it it, it keeps dropping. So I don't know what the solution is. Um, but what do you, what are your thoughts on that bit? Like, what do you think we can be doing if it's not licensure? Is there something else we can be doing? as journalists, instead of sort of uh, doing the things we've always done, just because it does seem like the stakes are a little higher now. Well, I don't argue that uh, that this situation is, is is fraught, not only for, for journalists, but just, you know, the issues that have been mistrust that's been raised to the judiciary, uh, you know, the military, uh, Congress, uh, the presidency. So, you know, we, we are at, uh, I think, a point in time uh, where we shouldn't be taking for granted, you know, any of our, our institutions that have served us so well over, over the years. Should we try this licensure because our current system is not working very well? If you tried to create a, a system to license journalists, you're going to have the same kind of divisions and trust as far as, well, who's setting up this, this group? Are they understanding and representing my truth? And, and, and they're going to clamp down on the other end of the political spectrum and their lies. I would see the difficulty in anything you set up of trying to get a buy-in from everybody saying, oh, well, we, we, did, we don't trust journalists, but now we're going to trust these group of journalists now to, to uh, uh, basically police themselves. Or if it's going to be done from a political standpoint, which would be horrible, you know, well, who's going to be represented on there? Is it going to be our, our side of the political spectrum or their side of the political spectrum? Right. And, um, so I, I, again, think it comes back as far as what it, your question is, what can, what can we do as journalists do? I think obviously transparency is, is a key element for, for years. And when you all speak for the newspaper industry, you know, we don't, we haven't always done a, a good, uh, job of telling people why we make certain decisions. You know, you know, we do a story and the story hits and people react to it. But we may not be adding on to onto that transparency of, hey, you know, just let's let you know, you know, this is how many sources that we that we reached, you know, reached out to on this story. 
or this is uh, where, you know, the information that we got, we got from public records or uh, the reason why we haven't named uh, the juvenile who's been you know, arrested for, for a triple homicide, you know, the policy reasons why we haven't identified that person. So, you know, I, I from, from the standpoint of journalism as an industry, you know, I think it, it behooves them to do a better job of explaining themselves so that people understand that, okay, there is a difference between journalism and a difference between what we put on the uh, editorial page uh, and the standards of what you're saying is, is different. I think it's important to to remind people what the standards are for libel so that people understand that, okay, the, the newspaper isn't saying that X happened. The newspaper is quoting Joe Smith as saying X happened. There's, there's a difference there and there's protections and there's also guidelines for good journalists to say, okay, uh, you know, I've, I've got a reason to use this story because of its public interest. There are certain things that I may not go with just one source because of the sensitivity for that story. I'm not so much worried about if I'm a good journalist being the first to report it, but I want to be the first to report it and be able to support it with maybe more than one source as far as this is what's happening. So obviously we need to be practicing good journalism, but we also need to be transparent and in an educational mode to people as far as why we're doing this and explain to them, no, it's not because we're wild-eyed liberals or, or crazy conservatives. We're doing this because these are the guideposts for good journalism. I'm so glad you brought that up because transparency is one of my bookaboos as well. Uh, you know, we too often have opportunities to show our work or explain why we did something or explain why we did not do something. And also another thing I think journalists don't do a good enough job doing is telling us what we don't know and why we maybe we don't know it. You know, a lot of times we're told as reporters to report what we know, which is absolutely true. But sometimes you try to find something, an important piece of information, and you're not able to find it. And then if you don't say to your audience, well, we don't know this because of this, maybe your audience thinks, why didn't they answer this question? If you leave the audience to fill in the blanks, they will. And sometimes those blanks are not good and they question your integrity as a reporter. Why did they not ask this question? Oh, they must be, you know, in the pocket of some politician or whatever. So I'm so glad you brought that up. Uh, also, uh, listeners, go check out our episode on the Missouri journalist who uncovered a social security flaw in a system at um, the State Department of Education in Missouri. We talked about this very same thing. A, a good example of what you're talking about is in, in back in the day when uh, when I was an uh, editor and reporter at a community paper, you know, there was a story circulating around a situation involving a teacher and a student. And it was one of those stories where everybody in the community was talking about it. And there was like, you know, that would get stopped on the street. How come you guys haven't done the story about this situation? And I said, well, are you willing to go on record to say this is what's happening? Oh, no, 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 no. I, I, you know, you had to have a basis, you know, of, of fact rather than just picking up what seemed to be a, a community-wide rumor of what was going on. Uh, but there were a lot of people who thought, oh, well, the newspapers, you know, protecting the coach, protecting the student, protecting, right. you know, the, the student's family or protecting the school. Yeah, it's, it's not because 
there's no there's no source that you can quote you know and and be be willing to to stand up in court and say here's my information that you know why i said this teacher did x if you can't attribute it and and in a in a sound manner you are opening yourself up to libel and and no newspaper or radio station or tv station podcast or whatever really wants to put them in a position where they're they're spending resources and time uh, in court uh, to prove, uh, you know, prove the truth. Truth is always a defense, but you really don't want to put yourself in a position where you're constantly going to court and having to spend the money to prove that you you were speaking the truth. Right. So true. Such a great point. And I feel like some news outlets are start, starting to do this. They'll actually have a separate you know, how we did the story section. I think ProPublica does a pretty good job with that. I think I've seen the New York Times do it. So I think we're starting to see this trend toward more transparency about the process because I think generally journalists think maybe it's boring. I don't need to talk about it, but maybe we should to alleviate some of those misconceptions that that tend to make it harder for us, again, to have to, to, to retain or build trust, which is what we kind of need to do. So I want to just give you one more opportunity to comment on this licensure thing because I do feel like the way this doctor has uh, posed his argument for licensure, which is on a, a website called The Conversation, which they posted this point counterpoint about uh, journalism licensure. Um, I encourage our listeners to check it out. Just a quick thing about him. His name is Dr. David Maslov, and he's a clinician scientist in the departments of medicine and critical care medicine at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario. And so he said this, quote, a self-regulating college of journalists could determine what sort of education is needed in order to become licensed. Standards of journalistic practice and norms of professional conduct could be established based on a consensus of expert opinions. Formal processes to investigate malpractice and strip wrongdoers of their credentials could be put into place. A license in good standing would be a visible sign of a journalist's bona fides, akin to the post-nominal MD that medical school graduates use. A college of journalists would in no way fringe upon the free speech or freedom of press, much as a medical board does not preclude patients from seeking treatment from complementary and alternative sources. In fact, seeking health treatments or news stories outside the mainstream may in many cases be a safe and reasonable thing to do. The difference is that consumer becomes better informed about their choices and practitioners can't as easily claim to provide a service they aren't qualified to deliver. Physicians inhabit a unique place of trust in society, conferred at least in part by the recognition that their practice is regulated and that those operating outside of accepted bounds face consequences. Trust in journalists is no less important, but increasingly scarce these days. While the licensing of journalists may do little to stem the tide of fake news, it might at least make it easier to call it out for what it is. And I would suggest to your point about worrying about it becoming partisan or hyperpartisan, just have Rachel Maddow there and Sean Hannity at all times or their likeness, you know, somebody to represent the extreme polarization on the board and then, you know, fill it in with everybody else in the middle. I don't know. What do you think about all that stuff? Yeah. I mean, you know, medical licensure is needed and then it's in its effective way to to basically screen out people before they're allowed to cause actual harm to someone, either through, you know, a bad operation or misdiagnosis, whatever the case may be. And so, you know, obviously, you know, I want to be able to screen you out before, uh, before you could actually kill me. <laughs> uh, with journalism, it's always been a case because of the need for freedom of speech is you have to give more latitude and allow for 
misstatements, errors to be made, uh, opinions that are unpopular, uh, opinions that may even be incorrect. The remedy is, is, you know, for those who have been libeled or defamed is to bring suit after, after the libelous statement has been, been published. And, you know, I, I may definitely harm you as far as either by misleading you or uh, hurting your, your reputation. But that's, that's a far cry from me physically cutting into you and causing you permanent uh, pain, disfigurement, or, or even your life. And conversely, if I deny a medical a somebody a license to practice medicine, I really haven't impacted everyone's ability to go out and live their lives. If you start impinging on freedom of speech and freedom of the press, now you have a, a, a whole different dynamic uh, because now not only are you saying uh, you as a journalist can't speak or can't practice or declare yourself to be an expert or a journalist, but it sets the tone for, well, now I can, I can uh, make it crime for the public or anyone to, uh, to, to speak out against a government policy or, or, or politician. Even if it's self-regulated, board of journalists, though, you still feel that way? Yes. Journalists aren't any different than anybody else. We're all human. We're all going to, to make mistakes. If you put all journalists on a, on a bell curve, you're going to have some Pulitzer Prize winners at one end. You're going to have some people who really need to get out of the field at the other end. But most everybody else is kind of in the middle of that bell-shaped curve doing the best they can with, with what talent and, and ethics and, and resources they, they have to, to do that. You know, I always thought it was interesting, Bernstein of Woodward and Bernstein, you know, has talked about journalism as being able to present the best version of the truth at that time. And that best version of the truth that was published last week may be different this week because of new facts or new interviews that, that, that have come out. Our country has been served well by, if anything, bending over to make sure that the public has the right to speak, journalists have the right to report the news uh, based on what information they're able to uncover, either from public records, interviews, uh, their own observations. Um, and, and I think that there's nothing in this polarization um, that I say would say would cite and say to fix the polarization we want to regulate journalists. You know, if you look at those, I think it's the Pew Research that talks about the mistrust of uh, of journalism. I think it's very interesting that they broke it down. So you have you know the overall average, you have the percentage of the trust based on people who declared themselves Democrats. And then there's another number for those who have declared themselves Republicans. And that's where you find the biggest difference. It's, it's not that they're uh, just overall general distrust of, of journalism, although it's obviously declined over the past few years. But the, but the real story is the polarization of that trust of, of, of the media and journalism and it's very well split along political lines. 
That is very true. And, you know, we actually, and one of the points you made just now about the truth being one thing and today and something different next week is something I think a lot of people forget, including many journalists, and especially throughout the coronavirus reporting as just things were changing all the time. I think a lot, a lot of the facts that we continue to just report new evolving truths and not ever address the previous truth or only very superficially touching on the previous truth also confuses a lot of people. Because they'll say, oh, this was different last week. Um, wh- you know, Why is this now this way? And I feel like we need to stop thinking our- of ourselves as pursuers of truth, but as pursuers of truth in that moment in time. And if we can recognize that every time we report the truth in that moment in time, we recognize that we did the same thing last week and that was a different moment in time. And it's all contextual. And I think a lot of the reason, well, not a lot, but a portion of the reason why we're losing trust is that, again, I think it's, it's a transparency thing. That we're not really fully transparent about what we have done and what that has done to the to what people know and what we're doing today and how that might be different from what we told them last week and just recognizing that this truth is evolving thing that that changes over time and that's a lesson not only for journalism but just for the public at large you know because there's it's particularly talk about covid you know the 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 research and the science has evolved from you know when it's we started out this in 2019 to what's going on now but you see a lot of people who have focused and said, oh, well, back then, you know, the scientists said X. Now they're saying Y. Right. And, and instead of appreciating saying, well, there's more research, there's more data. And so the the information and the policy may be evolving as you learn. There are unfortunately there's some people like I'd say, oh, well, they must have changed because uh, big pharma got right. to them. Exactly. Or, they're cha- or they've changed their mind because. Uh, they're trying to put a spin on it to help uh, right. one party or another in their next uh, election. So, you know, again, I, I I support more of an educational process in trying to improve the situation as opposed to a regulatory process. You know, I, I'm always a firm believer. I forget who said it, but they said, you know, you you get the the government that you deserve, or you get the democracy that that you right. deserve if you are not. If you're not informing yourself on how the system works, how journalists operate, you know, on all these segments of what makes democracy work, then it's much easier for you to to make a poor decision on who you're electing to represent you, mm-hmm. uh, on what source or what channels that you either listen to on on the TV and trust as news, what newspapers you buy or magazines that you buy and give credence to we as Americans need to make sure that we understand that knowledge is power. And the the more knowledge that we have and the more understanding we have of how journalism works, how TV networks work, uh, how the social platform works and how it manipulates. And, and, you know, because it's trying to get you to, to uh, click on more. And so they try to make you get more clicks by feeding you information that, again, reinforces what you tend to believe, the more that people understand how these processes work, the better the arm they are to be able to judge and gauge. Am I being manipulated here? Am I being misinformed? Am I being lied to? Let's look at education, not government regulation. That was Steve Key. He's the executive director and general counsel for Hoosier State Press Association. And that was our episode of Baffled with David DeRoche. Thanks for sharing your ears with us. We're still looking to hear from you. 
So if you've got a new story you want us to rip apart, or maybe you've read something that was amazing and want us to explore that, let us know. You can find me on Twitter at SavingEJ or email me at david.deroche at q.edu. That's david.desrochees at q.edu. This podcast is a production of the Quinnipiac University Podcast Studio. Our producer is Grace McGuire. Our social media coordinator is Jillian Catalano, and our videographer is Jake McCarthy. Please subscribe to the podcast on the app of your choice. To learn more about this podcast and others, visit qu.edu slash podcast, and also check out our new website, quinnipiacpodcasts.com. Thank you so much for listening to Baffled with David DeRoche. Until next time.